A key component of the modern world economy, the chemical industry delivers products and innovations to enhance everyday life. It is also an industry in transformation, where chemical executives and workers are delivering growth and industry-changing advancements while responding to pressures from investors, regulators, and public opinion. Discover how leading companies are approaching these challenges here on The Chemical Show. Join Victoria Meyer, president of Progressio Global and host of The Chemical Show, as she speaks with executives across the industry and learns how they are leading their companies to grow, transform, and push industry boundaries on all frontiers. Here's your host, Victoria Meyer. Hi, I'm Victoria Meyer. Welcome to The Chemical Show. Recently, we were ranked in the top 10% of podcasts globally, which is super exciting. You know, so everybody keep listening and sharing the Chemical Show podcast. In honor of our top 10% ranking and the fact that we recently had our 25th episode, we are going to be doing a drawing for some cool The Chemical Show gear. And so there are three ways for you to enter this drawing. One, rate and leave a review on your podcast player, whether it be Apple, Stitcher, Podchaser, or any of the others. Two, post a message about the podcast on Twitter using the hashtag The Chemical Show. And three, share the podcast on LinkedIn and tag us in your share. Every time you share, it just helps us get bigger audience. So appreciate that. Today, I'm excited to be talking with Eric Beyer, who is president and CEO of the National Association of Chemical Distributors, or NACD. Eric joined NACD in January 2014 as president after spending 20 years in government and public affairs and organizational operations at organizations including the National Air Transportation Association. Early in his career, Eric served as a legislative assistant to the U.S. House of Representatives Committee on Government Reform and Oversight. That's a bit of a tongue twister. Um, The chair is William Klinger, Jr. from Pennsylvania. As you might expect, Eric is uniquely suited to his role. NACD, where he supports the chemical industry at the intersection of government, regulation, and business. Eric, welcome to The Chemical Show. Thanks for having me on, Victoria, and congratulations on the top 10 rank. That's awesome. It's great to be Thank you. It was a surprise and a really good surprise, so. We'll see if I can drag you down to the top 15% now. Oh, please don't do that. We're going to move on up to five, the top 5%. That's my goal. There we go. (laughs) So, Eric, why don't you just start out by telling us a little bit about NACD? Well, we are a, you know, small, what they call a 501c6 trade association. We represent primarily small businesses, but we actually have some big ones as well. And our member companies do a whole host of things. Um, They are companies that will either process, they'll blend, they'll package, they'll warehouse all types of chemical products throughout the supply chain. And they have about three quarters of a million dollars or so, or three quarters of a million customers out there for the different end users that they service. You know, our folks are, I think I would call quintessential small business activity folks. They care very much about their local community. They're there, they help out folks on charities and stuff like that. And they're also politically very driven. They recognize the small businesses. They want to go out there and do the best they can to grow their business, which means they look at things like less taxes and less regulation is important, while at the same time, making sure that they are incredibly safe and secure, which they very much are. So they are, as I call them, they are the backbone of America, as everybody says, for small businesses, but they really do deeply care about what they do and how they provide their, uh, their, their different services. Yeah, that's interesting. And in fact, I found that chemical distributors tend to be quite entrepreneurial, right? As small business owners, they're very entrepreneurial. I think we often today think of entrepreneurs in technology and other spaces, but chemical distributors at their heart, especially as they start as small businesses, most of them 
are real entrepreneurs? Well, I think as you look at COVID, I mean, you know, one of the things that all small businesses have always, you know, had to do over the last 19, 20 months is essentially identify ways to make sure there's still value of what you have to offer. I mean, our guys have really done that. You know, we will get into supply chain issues and, and shipping delays and stuff like that in a little bit. But, you know, every time there's a crisis, our folks usually rise to the, the very top to make sure that they keep their customers happy and they keep doing what they're doing at the highest level possible. And so, you know, I look at, you know, the sanitation marketplace when COVID hit. Our guys were out there. They were ready to rock and roll to make sure that there were the products, usually ethanol or other products that were in, contained in, in uh, the sanitizing marketplace, whether it's the pump you're putting on your hands, the wipes you use out of the bag, whatever, our guys were there. There were ones that stepped up and got a lot of that stuff done. So they're always there to make sure it happens so that everyday Americans can continue to live comfortably. That's awesome. That's really exciting. So tell us a little bit more about you though. So I'm interested just in your background in government relations. How did you get started in that space? Obviously, now you're leading a major industry group. So tell us you know, just a little bit about your story, your own origin story and history. Well, I, I was a political junkie. I was one of those high school losers that watched C-SPAN. And so I, I got the bug primarily because um, I had a really cool internship with my congressman from my district, Dean Gallo, up in New Jersey. Really cool guy, uh, somebody I really admired and got interested that way. And, and what sealed the deal for me is when I was in high school, I did a two-week seminar down at American University, and I got to meet President Bush 41. Uh, got to go in the White House lawn. He came off Marine One and got to shake his hand and, and talk to him for a few minutes. And, and for me, that kind of glided my path down to going as a political science major at Gettysburg College, working on Capitol Hill for Bill Klinger as a staff assistant and a legislative assistant, and then getting off into other political uh, you know, issues and areas that were interest to me. So I would definitely say that you know, President Bush was certainly one thing, but just always having a keen interest in politics and seeing how it operated and, uh, and the different ups and downs that you see, you know, there's never a dull day in Washington. So can imagine. I can imagine. And then you took some of that and you translated that into supporting industry groups, right? So first at NATA and now at NACD. Yeah. I mean, what I always wanted to do was to run a business. At the same time, I didn't want to lose what I'm passionate about, which is the, the public policy and the lobbying part of it. So I learned a lot in the aviation industry. I was there for 15 years representing small businesses there. I love representing those types of folks. A lot of former military cared deeply about this country, served this country, and did things, you know, when you're operating a plane, you've got to do it safely. You've got to train properly. You've got to maintain the aircraft. All those types of services, small businesses that provide support to the general aviation industry is what I help represent. And for me, there was a natural transition over to the chemical side when the CEO job opened up, uh, where I could do pretty much the same thing with a lot of the same issue subsets, but do it as a CEO so I could handle working on the operations side, but also continue my love for the public policy side. Awesome. So it sounds like a great fit for you. Yeah, it's been great. It's been you know eight, eight years now. Really love what I do. I love the members that we represent, and we have some great staff, which keep it, you know, they keep working hard and, and they, they keep me entertained and vice versa. So it all works out really well for everybody. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right. So NACD is celebrating its 50th anniversary this year, which is really impressive. What's the significance of that to you? Well, I think, you know, when you hit the half century mark, uh, a lot of things come to mind. One, longevity. It sounds silly because it's 50 years, but for trade associations, a pretty big deal. Not everybody lasts that long. I think the industry that we represent, at least the distribution part of the chemical industry, it continues to maintain and show its value to the American economy and the public at large. We're the key to make sure that anything comes out of a manufacturing facility, whether it's by rail, by truck, it comes to our members' warehouses, and we go ahead and repackage it or whatever it may be and send it to the end user. If we're not there, the product's not going to happen. It's not going to get there. So I think the fact that our folks have evolved with time, so you look at things like e-commerce and you look at things like you know new trucks and rail upgrades and 
you know, maritime issues, all those facets that are so, you know, really important to what we do to make sure the product gets to your doorstep every day. You know, it's something that has to happen, but I think our folks really are passionate about it. And that's the other thing is our members love what they do. You know, our members have been in business 30, 40, 50. I mean, we have members that joined us back 50 years ago that are still very much in business. And I think, you know, a lot of them are family run still. Uh, so I think the passion and the love for the industry is there. And it really motivates you as a staff member for an association that they're supposed to represent to do the very best you can. Um, and so I think for NACD, we have grown because of what we've been able to do for a, a membership base that loves what they have to do. You know, training is, is huge nowadays, something that we focused a lot on. Advocacy, I talked about, you know, fewer regulations and, and less taxes. That's, you know, certainly important for our folks. But the most important thing they always focus on, and it's not only the people that work for them, but making sure that they're safe and secure in what they have to offer. I think as long as they continue to do so as the number one priority, they will be around for another 50 years. Uh, and I think that's the thing that I, I'm always impressed with is the due diligence they put on safety and security and training um, to keep operations you know, safe, obviously, but obviously to make sure the products can get out the door into to whoever they serve every day. Yeah, that's awesome. I think, I mean, safety is so critical all the way across the chemical industry from you know, production to end users. And I often call it license to operate, which makes it seem smaller than it is. And yet it is a, I know it's a significant part of everyone's business. Yeah, it is. I mean, getting good, getting good quality folks come in and being trained and understanding the operation side and understanding how to operate forklifts and how to, all those types of nuances, people don't see that every day, but boy, it's critical to the supply chain and what we have to do. And what ultimately leads to you get, you know, either in a package at your doorstep and some of help to provide those products they are in, in, in those containers or to a business that might need it desperately. I mean, you know, chlorine, you know, water treatment facilities, things are as delivered. Everybody needs it. Uh, so it's those types of things that you just don't recognize that are really important for everyday living, if you will. Okay. So Eric, um, how have the events of the past 18 months, so the pandemic, supply chain disruptions, labor issues, how have they affected NACD and its members? Well, it's been a rocky road. I think it's probably the best way. And it's been for everybody, obviously, whether it's personally or professionally. I think initially the need for our members to provide things like isopropyl alcohol and ethanol that go into things like hand sanitizer and sanitized wipes and stuff like that. A lot of our folks were up to the task. They did it. There was a huge need for it first, and then things kind of tapered off. And then we had the supply chain issues that we're seeing today, which is delayed products coming from you know the Asian countries and stuff like that, China, Malaysia, Indonesia, whatever. So it's been a struggle. I think, the, the again, our folks are so good at looking at new opportunities to service their customers that it's forced them to diversify what they have to offer. Uh, that's something I've always marveled at is in when, when one line or revenue stream may go away, they're always looking at three, four or five other ones that potentially could fill the gap for the now, but also for the longer term. And so I think it's been tricky, but they've been able to navigate some pretty rocky waters here. You know, most of our folks have done pretty well getting through this, been able to keep their employees on payroll, have been able to continue to maintain high quality levels of service. Um, but it's certainly been a challenge. I mean, there's no doubt that when you're talking about, you know, our folks were deemed essential service providers by the Department of Homeland Security right when COVID hit. So they continued to operate, uh, especially those in the, in the back where they're working in the warehouse and stuff like that. But it's been, you know, there's still an element of the administrative folks for a lot of our companies that either work remotely or doing hybrid. So all those types of changes that we've all encountered are certainly applicable to our member companies. But, you know, they've made it through, they've done well. It's always been an over-regulated industry, in my opinion. And I think that's one of those things where you just got to keep an eye on it because you've got COVID and then you have all the daily stuff you got to worry about. And COVID took over for so long that I think we're starting to see a natural regression back to, okay, here's the new normal. 
where COVID's part of the process, but we also have to maintain and continue to grow our business safely. So how do you figure that out? It's a constant work in progress. And I think our guys are doing a really good job trying to adapt. Yeah. So did it change what NACD focused on and how you guys have engaged either your, your chemical distributor constituents or, you know, the legislation and, and government bodies? Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously from an external offering perspective, we had lots of things that we had done in person and all those events obviously were canceled initially. So what we've been able to do is, you know, we have moved to a virtual format for the first 12 months, um, which was very well received by our members, but ultimately our guys wanted to meet in person. And so we were able to do our events back in person starting last, you know, May or June. And they've done that and they've come to our events in waves and it's been great. From a public policy perspective, I think the biggest thing for us is to make sure that what we saw with COVID were a whole bunch of emergency provisions put in, which allowed our folks to you know, continue to operate. As those things have dialed back, we got to make sure we continue to educate not only the federal government, but the state governments. I mean, it's clear that as you look at you know, transportation regulations, chemical regulations, environmental regulations, you know, we look at the advent of cannabis and the use of it and how that affects truck drivers at certain states with those rules versus other states and their rules. All those things have really, the state level in particular, have really come to the forefront where we're paying a lot more attention to them. So, you know, I think more of a focus on state-centric issues has certainly been something we've had to pay more attention to from a public policy perspective. But, you know, from the federal government, it's we maintain a pretty aggressive eye on things with them. They don't do a whole lot nowadays up on Capitol Hill, to be frank with you, but it's something we have to keep a very close eye on because something sneaks in in a bill or a provision that we're not aware of and it can really hamper our folks. So we still have a pretty keen eye on what's going on legislatively up in Capitol Hill. Makes sense. So I know logistics have been a big challenge and a hot topic everywhere. You know, what's been critical to NACD and its members just in helping work through those challenges? And I guess the second piece of this is how is NACD helping to influence solutions? Well, I mean, logistics is what our guys do best. So whether it's you have a product and you've got to get it to a remote location in the country, our guys will always figure out how to do that. I think there have obviously been a number of hindrances since COVID and even prior to COVID that have been real stressor. This gets into that supply chain effort. I mean, one, you've got product that's coming from abroad. A lot of our folks import stuff from Asia that comes in on these big container ships uh, that are essentially anchored about side of the ports from Seattle all the way through to New York and Boston that are delaying things. And so you have huge issues with shipping. You have huge issues with drivers. You don't have a lot of them. And our guys are specialized. A lot of them move hazardous material. So they're not just getting their CDL. They're also getting specialized training. So the availability of qualified drivers to move the product once they get into the ports. And then obviously issues with rail. Those three areas have been the triangle of doom, that I like to call it, because it's really been a challenge for our guys to figure out how to get their product through that gauntlet to their hands so they can get it to their end user and their customer. Not doing so means they lose their customers. So they're highly motivated to make sure that it all happens. So logistically, they are always trying to find new and inventive ways to move product. And in today's world, it's really, really hard. We are seeing probably the worst shipping crisis we've ever seen in this country. And it will continue to go from where it's been this year through 2022 and probably into 2023. And so for them, that has been the number one issue is how to make sure I get what I need so I can you know, provide it to our customer without losing our customer. It's a daily grind for most of our folks. Yeah. And I've seen that NACD has taken kind of a stance in some of these policy topics, I guess, that would relate to that. Yeah. I mean, we have been very frustrated with the ocean carriers. You know, we're not shy about it. I think one of the things that I take issue with is that these are big organizations that were not making money for eight years in a row. 
And now all of a sudden they had record profits in 2020. And then in the first quarter of 2021, they had more money that quarter than all of 2020. And in the second quarter of 2021, they had more money than all of 2021 first quarter and all of 2022 or 2020. So it's like, it's never ending. It's price gouging, in my opinion. And it's one of those things where it doesn't have to be that way. When you're making that much money, there's got to be some recognition that, hey, we don't want to, to be frank with you, screw the small guys. And I feel like a lot of my members are getting pushed aside by the bigger box companies that are bringing in cargo and freight. And that's a challenge. And so we have been very aggressive in talking about the fee structure that the ocean carriers have levied against our members. And we very much oppose it. Interesting. A lot of the chemical distributors are moving product in via containers. And of course, then it's competing with space for all the personal products that everybody's buying. So yeah, I mean, you look at the Walmarts and the Costco's and the Targets. I mean, these guys all bring in, you know, literally tens of thousands of containers on these big 24,000 container ships. And so our guys that are bringing in a dozen or, you know, five or six, whatever it may be, it's really tough for them to get into that line and make sure their products insured to get on a ship, get across Pacific into a port, unload it and out to their facility. It's a complicated, laborious process, and they have to compete against the big guys that throw money at the problem. And so for our guys, that's not always a viable option because they're trying to do the best they can in a really tough regulatory environment. Yeah, interesting. What are some other priorities that NACD has? Well, we are doing our very, very best right now to look at what's going on on Capitol Hill. I mean, infrastructure is, you know, today, yesterday, they were supposed to have a bill on the floor and it never happened because the uh, both parties are fighting over having a budget reconciliation package, which they're calling a soft infrastructure, a lot of social program funding. And then there's a hard infrastructure bill that we're supportive of that came out of the Senate. Those are two of our big priorities is making sure that we see good quality infrastructure funding comes out for roads, for highways, for rail, for water, whatever may be help for port improvements. At the same time, we don't want to see a lot of the provisions that are in that budget reconciliation bill that have new taxes, especially on plastics, resins, Superfund tax cleanup, you know, these types of things that really shouldn't be in there are being considered by at least, you know, some Democrats, a little bit of Republicans, but it's something we're opposed to. So for us, the legislative priorities are really, you know, working on those. You know, and we also have some issues with some of the things that have come out from the administration within the Department of Labor that we are, you know, working on. So, you know, with every new administration, you have a new set of regulations that are getting unveiled, whether it's through the EPA or DOT. And we every day go through to make sure that the impact is minimized. And if we've got problems, we fight the good fight against them. Yeah. How do you work with the other industry organizations, right? There's a number that represent the chemical industry in various bits and pieces. ACC is obviously one of the biggies. ACI, there's others. How do you, do you guys, I guess, coordinate, collaborate on some of them? No, we do. Actually, it's a very good group, to be frank with you. First of all, there's a group called the Council of Chemical Association Executives. And I'm kind of running that group for the next two years. We all take turns. And Chris John at ACC just finished up his time. So I've kind of been doing point on that for the time being. We meet, you know, every quarter, but we talk a whole lot more than that just to make sure that we're all on the same page when it comes to legislative issues, regulatory issues, media campaigns. You know, like Chris is going to come down to our annual meeting and Chet Thompson with the AFPM is going to come down and talk to our board. I mean, these types of things, we do this fairly frequently. So our members are aware of, you know, the other groups we're working with, what they're covering and how are they're supporting them and vice versa. So it's a constant open line of communication for sure. That's awesome. Makes sense. So let's turn a little bit to leadership, right? So NACD, you are leading and working with a really wide variety of stakeholders, right? Your employees, the chemical distributor executives, politicians, and people on Capitol Hill. How do you make it work? What have you found to be really critical to lead such a wide variety of 
people and organizations and perhaps different agendas? Yeah. Well, it's a challenge. You know, I think, first of all, we're blessed to have some great staff. If you don't have a good staff structure, you're not going to be very successful. And we are blessed to have it. And we have some great folks and they're led by our chief operating officer, Lucinda Schofer, who has been a godsend to me, but also to the organization for some time now. So you have those quality folks you can lean on. That's always the first pillar, if you will. But I think dealing with our members, they care. I mean, any membership organization that has a membership structure that cares so deeply about what they do, it's easy to represent them because they know they are going to give you the support you need to tackle policy issues, regulatory issues, media issues, whatever it's going to be. Whenever I pick up the phone and answer and there's a challenge, I am always willing to go to bat for them and find a solution. And whenever I call them to ask them for a favor to do a press interview or to give me some you know, technical expertise on a regulatory issue, they're there to help me out. And so I think the partnership between the member and the staff has been fantastic ever since I got here. Um, so we're blessed to have that. So, I mean, between the staff, between the membership, and then you put those two together, it really helps you to politically drive your agenda. You know, we've always had, until COVID, and we're getting back on the, the dime here, we're going to have it again, hopefully soon is, you know, we have a grassroots lobby day in Washington where we get 100 people and we cover half of Congress in a 24-hour window. In the chemical industry, no one does it better than we do. Uh, and I think that's a true telltale sign of just how involved our members are politically, both at a local level, but also coming into Capitol Hill where it can be intimidating. Meet with your members of Congress and go talk about your business. Go talk about things like CFATS or Tosca or whatever it's going to be. You know, you got to spend the time and make the investment and say, I need to understand the issue. I got to go in and talk to a member of Congress and their staff, and I've got to do it in five minutes or less, or they're not going to really have an interest. That's not an easy ask to do. And our guys come in, and they do a fantastic job doing it. And we usually come out of that meeting with a whole bunch of things, you know, a whole bunch of co-sponsors in the bill, letters, uh, you know, put together asking, you know, the regulatory agencies to address something. The fact that you know we have great staff, that we have great members, allows us to politically to push the needle in areas where we need to have movement. And so it really works well together. That's awesome. That's really great. So what's next for NACD? Right. So when we look out at the next 50 or the next five years, you know, what's the vision? What's next for the organization? Well, I think there's a number of things. We won the training side is always a work in progress. As much as we have, you know, we have an NACD online training tool, we offer in-person events, but we have to change and adapt just like the working environment is. And so I think for us, that's always a moving target. It's, it's a short-term and a long-term discussion. We want to make sure that we're prepared for the right now for our folks, but also make sure we're planning in advance so that they have the tools necessary 18 months, three years down the road. So I think training is always one of those issues that we really spend a lot of time on and we will continue to do so. You know, I think providing value in terms of networking for our members, that's always the number one issue when you look at our surveys is how do I make sure that the value is there for our members, especially from a, a networking perspective. So part of that's going to be, can we really get back to a robust in-person event schedule. And I think we, we, we have been, and we will be able to continue to do so. You know, we've got an annual meeting coming up here in a few weeks where we've got former president Bush speaking, and we've got fantastic attendance down in Miami. And so I think that's a pretty telltale sign that our members are really embracing that idea of getting back into person. So we're going to look at growing what we're doing there. And, you know, the things that I always consider to be of value to our members outside of the networking, the training is how do we make sure that they continue to grow their business safely? And a lot of that is driven by legislation and regulatory actions. And so we are going to look at ways to make sure that our guys continue to grow their business with fewer regulations, but do so as effectively and as safely as possible. You know, those three pillars have always been what we focused on and what we will continue to look at growing as we move through the years. Awesome. That's been really good. This has been a great conversation. Eric, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us and join us on The Chemical Show. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity and for speaking again, hopefully sometime soon. Absolutely. You are now officially on the list.
<laughs> All right. So hopefully it's a good list, but I can't wait. It is that a good, good. All right. It is a good list. And good uh, as we close out, I just want to thank everyone for listening to the chemical show today, or perhaps you're watching it on YouTube, which a large number of people do as well. And remember, we're going to be doing some drawing for some very cool, the chemical show gear, three ways to enter one rate and leave a review on your podcast player Two, post a message about the podcast on Twitter, hashtag the chemical show. And Hey, Hashtag Eric as well on this one. And and three, share the podcast on LinkedIn and tag us in your share. Thanks for joining us today. We've come to the end of today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed your time with us and want to learn more. Simply visit thechemicalshow.com for additional information and helpful resources. Join us again next time here on The Chemical Show with Victoria Meyer.